test, test. Okay. Hi. Hello. Hi. That's perfect. Let's do it on like a soft thing. Okay. Gonna read the thing. Anyway, I'm very excited to be with you and, and not do anything else. Okay. Hello, my name is Zoe Holmes, and I will be having a conversation with El Red Elroy Red, right? Hmm. Well, what's your... <laughs> what is your name? What is your name? Well, it is Red. That Red is what I've used, Yeah. Elroy Red is my whole name. Okay. So that's why it's like, I really, I used to go by Red. Yeah. Dash Elroy Red. Okay. But, so it's, that's why I was like, sure. Sure. That works. It all works. Okay, as long as it wasn't wild and they're like, actually, this whole time my name's been Blue. I never mentioned it. God, I've met a Blue recently. They're lovely. That's that's the first Blue I've ever heard of. I've never had a Blue in my life because of having such a name. Yeah. Okay. For the New York City Trans World History Project, in collaboration with the New York City, the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project, this is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans identifying people. It is March 30th, 2017. And this is being recorded at the Brooklyn Public Library, uh, Central Library, I believe uh -huh. it's called, and in the beautiful auditorium in the basement. Secret auditorium the looks. Secret auditorium. Oh, I want to take my shoes off status. too. Yeah, I think we should get comfortable. Black. Actually, this leads into like one of the questions I really wanted to ask you. I like the wait. first question I had, which was like, I feel like you have such a beautiful and unique sense of style, uh -huh. and I was really curious, kind of how that developed, but also like. What are your like early like what are your early memories of clothes or like what was like the first outfit you remember like loving? Mm. I was a child who was able to wear all white. Um, if that speaks to my socialization, <laughs> uh, <laughs> does that mean you weren't a particularly messy child? I exactement. I was. The I was. So I was born three months premature. Okay. And because of it, I was quite sickly growing up. There would be whole summers I wasn't really allowed outside because sunlight would adversely react with the medication inside of my body. Yeah, it was very serious. That's rough, yeah. Um, so I developed quite a bit of solutions interiorly um, and really created a world for myself. I think that's where the writing comes from. Yeah. It's just this, it's what I've been given. It's, it's the blessing I've had. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not to say that I hadn't spent any time outside or playing with other human beings, yeah. but it really wasn't, it wasn't my main gig. Yeah. Um, so style-wise, style I... Yeah. We'll get back to writing because that's obviously the other big area I want to talk to you about. <laughs> Style and writing. <laughs> Style Thank and you. Writing. That's really sweet. Um, yeah, it's, I guess, when I was older, there was quite a chasm between. <laughs> When I was 14 or 15, I came out as trans. Mm -hmm. Not really talking anything to do with my sexual orientation, but really who I was as a human being. My 
my poor mom at the time were really had a hard time. And so, though I was socialized in feminine roles, as a feminine person my entire life, I was still held to this strange masculine expectation. It was peculiar, it is yeah. peculiar. It's something that happens to other people, I'm sure. It's not, I know I'm not singular in this. Yeah. However, it meant that like, <coughs> the things that I really looked forward to, the mm -hmm. things that really spoke to me clothing-wise, were just not options. I mean, I'm a crop-top kind of chick. Yeah, exactly. Even when I was like young, and it's kind of funny because a lot of how I dress now is in exploration and freedom, and I just kind of go with my gut, I trust my instinct, I and I try to try new things. Mm -hmm. um, and to face my own fears in that way, when I was growing up, it was, a s I experienced quite a bit of violence and abuse, mm -hmm. and so I really expressed myself wearing like, really wide leg jeans and Jinkos. skirts, Jinkos, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like hoodies and sweaters, other jumpers, just like. So you're kind of hiding yourself in clothes. Yeah, it's because like that way no one else has to ask about the bruises. Mm. That were never, never anywhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, so there was that and I like, and I would just try and be creative about it. Yeah. I did this thing during like the summery months where I would, I found these like old man pants that were clearly too big for me. I've been the same, like this is the biggest I've ever really been. Yeah. I broke 100 pounds my senior year. I've been 5'10 my entire life basically. <laughs> yeah. I was like just a bean pole of a child. <laughs> and so I would wear like, you know, a little bit larger than I am, mm -hmm. a, norm a normal size pant, and they were bigger than I am, so I would cuff the trouser bottoms underneath flip-flops and just not have feet. <laughs> it was so, I was a, such a strange But see, child. that's the stuff I'm talking about. Like, like It would never occur to me to even do, I would trip, first off. <laughs> me, myself, I would instantly fall over. But like, that's such an interesting <laughs> thought to have. <laughs> I was just a weirdo, just <laughs> always trying new things, just like, just finding the strangest ways to feel myself expressed as myself. Yeah. Um, and so now, it's so peculiar, I can be wearing the exact same clothes as another human, like having shopped at the same shops, mm -hmm. however, it just looks different. We just, we go for different things. Yeah. And you the, accessorize. Yeah, I wear the same jewelry. I have a certain sense of self that comes through yeah. in the clothes that I wear. Yeah. Do you feel like there's been a bit of a like reclamation of certain? I mean, you mentioned like specifically like crop tops that you didn't get to wear younger, but like even the idea of like showing skin when as a child you felt like you oh couldn't. My God. Well, as a feminine being, yeah. I really, I, I grew up, you did not wear your titties out, no. even <laughs> though. Like, I may look to have a certain body and certain privileges. I really have not had, like, I have more consistently been read as trans mm -hmm. and been put in perilous situations because of it than even being really 
seen as gay, mm -hmm. it's there's just been this weird queer bubble where people have been like, oh, you're femme, and so you're this. Yeah. And they'll assume other things, but it, the first thing they target is the transness. So I hadn't until probably last year actually taken my shirt off in public and felt like I could. And in fact, I was cycling, mm -hmm. and I had put my shirt back on. It was just so warm. I was like, no one's... I was in like this weird space. Do you know what Pumps is? I forget what it's called. Was this? I was traveling like somewhere in like a... What is it called? Like a factory? Yeah. Island kind of space? Yeah. Instead of a food desert, it was like a factory desert? Yeah. Non-residential, that's what I'm looking yes. for. Commercial. Commercial space, <laughs> I can speak. Um, and that's where I did it. I was like, well, no one's going to see. Mm -hmm. Why not? And then I did. And so it has been. It really, my entire life feels like a giant reclamation. Yeah. That kind of also ties back to, like, you were talking about, like, you were socialized femme, but also, like, given the masculine expectations, which I think is, like, at least among people I know, not an uncommon like trans femme story, but like it's so interesting that like whether or not you felt comfortable like not wearing a shirt, which is like acceptable for for masculine people to do, but like that was still like so like the socialization still was like well I can't because my titties will be out. It really was, and I'm like I'm in my thirties, <laughs> like it's, what? It's tough. It's not even just that it's tough; it's just so. It becomes something that you assume is ingrained. Right. Or it's just something you're meant to unlearn because mm -hmm. you've just been socialized in the manner. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm just now thinking and trying to think of, like, when the last time I took my shirt off in public was. I don't know if I ever have. It is freeing. I was just on Sunday at a friend's, like, dance performance, but mm -hmm. what it really was was kind of like a having the honor of being in the space of a collective group of people who've already shared a lot of experiences and time mm -hmm. together. It was for this residency and then being able to move with them. Uh -huh. And so some people took their shirts off. At one point people were like, if you feel comfortable, remove an item of clothing. So people just took their shirts off and I was one of them and there mm -hmm. were other titties out and it was just like, here we are, uh -huh. just free. Yeah. You need more of those spaces. It's a rare freedom, especially being, if you're socialized femme mm -hmm. in any way, if your body makes mm -hmm. that something, even if you're not, and then if you're in any way of color, there is such a distinct stigma mm -hmm. and relationship with one's body that is just different, mm -hmm. that one doesn't have the same sense of privilege given context yeah no absolutely man i'm wanna i'm wanna do like on three different friends i'm trying to figure out what to say next because i'm like well we could actually like try and move you into new york because this is the new york <laughs> city like oral trans oral project so trans oral project that would be a different thing <laughs> <laughs> been there enjoyed that um training for training for life <laughs> uh t for t yes um or I kind of want to talk about your writing, because you brought it up. Sure. And T for T is a poem I've written, actually. Really? Yeah. Do you want to, like, talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, and maybe at the end of this, I'll share it. I'm sure yes. I've, I've got it in my bag, actually. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. Oh. Well, I love your poems, so. Thank 
Yeah, that's an honor for you to say to me. I respect you. Thank you. That's an honor. This is gonna be like the most <laughs> loving like interview. They're gonna be like, okay, we get it. <laughs> we love each other. Um, <clears throat> so I started writing because I didn't quite. I didn't have a voice mm. for years of my life. I was, I didn't speak. I wasn't. It wasn't really something that was loud in my household. Mm-hmm. Tbh, it was. Children are meant to be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. and even in that context, it was. We are the people who are providing for you, and so while we're in this place, we've worked so hard. You will be the people providing for us, mm-hmm. and it really. There were a range of ways that that looked, mm-hmm. and to the public, to the public, <laughs> even to the outside world, to my my aunt, who is someone I'm in communication with. Both of my parents have really left this plane mm-hmm. for me um or i should say like my mom in particular is an active part of my life though she's not living in a body she's living in the body of the world got it i'm blessed she is yeah. here with us she's always present i'm very fortunate mm-hmm. like do not like to speak for a, a non-living thing because right. she is present <laughs> um but that's not to say <laughs> that they didn't work fucking hard. I was yeah. the person who ended up cooking. They were working. I minded after my brother. We still had um, a babysitter because my brother was quite rambunctious. Mm-hmm. And it led to just a subservience, mm-hmm. subservancy that no one should really have to endure, I think. Yeah. It really... I'm sure I am the person I am today because I have survived things that are very peculiar. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to write because I just at one point just shut down. Uh, as a person whose family was nomadic due mm. to work, I had the fortune of living in a great number of places, but mm-hmm. it also meant learning how to assimilate and code switch and mm-hmm. to remove oneself from language Mm -hmm. um so for a long time i just i just shut it yeah i just observed which is i mean is a key part of writing yeah just allow it to work as we were talking about the interiors like that's that's the world i've lived in yeah um and then as i got older i had the, the great fortune of finding people in my life professors while I was still in secondary school mm-hmm. and I call them professors because they actively taught us at a college level that's amazing 90% of my teachers in a public fucking school yeah really really worked hard for all of us in my classes people had tutors just straight away you wow. entered the uh, what is it grade 9 mm-hmm. tutor wow because you're already doing, you know, a sport. You've got band, you've got choir, and you've Did got you to keep sport? up with AP. I was shamed out of track, but that's what I would have done. Yeah. I just I didn't feel. Sorry, didn't that feel was very off track, But no, it's perfect. I love now that I'm an adult. It's something that I I very much enjoy. Yeah. But it took a very long time to even feel comfortable because one has to be in their body in those moments, mm-hmm. and that was not really a thing for me. 
most of my life. Yeah. So, in one of my teachers, my drama teacher, Mrs. Fox, she was from D.C. She was very forward-thinking for the region and the mm -hmm. space. Um, although, clearly different ideas as a straight woman, She, but she mm -hmm. had LGBT, LGBT, mm -hmm. LGB people in her life. Okay. Probably being in theater. And she was just kind and sensitive to me. Gave me space to write and I would just have free periods that I could spend with her. And she had a little annexed office, just a mm. little back room. I could play music. I could like scream and shout, nearly scream, I should say. <laughs> but, you know, do as much as you could yeah. with the door separating so as to not interfere with the class. And I could write and just live. Were you sharing your writing with people at this time? Or is it still kind of for yourself? It was pretty close to me. I would share it with her. And a couple other people, and then when I was, I graduated when I was 16, so when I was 15, I got into, like, a prestigious art summer camp. It was, like, out of the entire state, there's something like 15 people picked mm -hmm. to go for specific locations of the arts, um, yeah. and it was, like, they had these for different subjects, right? So right. I got into the arts, but there were... Various STEMs. Okay. Uh, like the engineering program was tight. Like the worlds didn't really collaborate, yeah. but on various college campuses throughout Pennsylvania, which is where my family lived at the time, and I lived with them, mm -hmm. uh, you were able to like take a couple weeks out of your life and wow. do this. So I got to write poetry, and I knew that. I would be a writer. I knew that was something I desired. I didn't feel I had the agency to do it, mm -hmm. but that is where I first understood that sharing one's voice can be healing for not just themselves, but also for the people listening. Wow. Were you always a poet? Yeah. No prose ever? Not really. No, no it's not me. <laughs> it's because my brain thinks I write the way I think, pretty much. Okay. And for a long time, I allowed myself to speak in such a manner. Mm -hmm. It didn't go over very well. Um, I found out that in being acutely articulate, mm -hmm. that one... So in German, yeah. right? You're able to produce words that allow refined specificity. Yes. In English, and in mm -hmm. particularly American English, it's not really the case, and you're not, you're not really supposed to do that, are yeah. you? It's in American English. You're really trying to just, how can you say it? Throw the curveball so that it gets into the glove, and to not, not actually hit the glove. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Your. Yeah, you're, you're meant to kind of talk around it. Right. With words that are holding places. You land the point, but not necessarily firmly. Yes. Yeah. And I think it shows politically, probably. Yeah. Very easily, but also how Americans relate to each other. Mm -hmm. If you think about how much slang and um, 
nuance of language there is and how people just decidedly will not understand another human being in American English while mm -hmm. speaking the same language, that doesn't quite happen in other places. It doesn't happen with language. If you were to go to different parts of the world and people just speak differently, mm. if they're sharing the same tongue, even if their dialects are different, there is a way that they're they're able to communicate and be understood. Yeah. From what I've known, I mean, I could also be wrong. Yeah, no, actually. but this is an interview by you, so we don't <laughs> have to pretend. <laughs> to know everything, know which everything. I absolutely do not. No. Um, yeah, so, so I've been able to, and you can hear my accent. My accent is the culmination of having been raised around the world from people mm. around the world. Yeah. And I was just talking to my friend from Britain, who is emigrated from Pakistan, mm -hmm. and they were like, where did this come out? I don't recall this. Yeah. Every time we speak, it, you're having a bit of a nuance, and I'm like, this is Joanna, actually. I can't <laughs> shake her. I think she's left the corporal world, but she's come into my body, and mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't understand it. I'm not, not really having a go of it. Yeah. It's just how it is right now. Yeah. A little bit of Cockney, too, which I like. I fucking hate it, to be <laughs> honest. It's not really, it's not fully me, but yeah. it's not not me. Yeah. That makes sense. That does make sense. I'm like. It's just what's happening. I don't even dream in English. I dream in French for the most part. And so, like, True. to then have to sort out with this fucking tongue mm -hmm. how to, like, relay things that I think into various languages it can be challenging yeah. and so it's poetry that allows that space um and also now that i am a person who feels more embodied and less mm -hmm. disembodied uh it's through physical nonverbal actions that mm. i feel i have a clearer sense of communication like yeah that makes sense like bringing more touch into your life or just um, a different sense of expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I certainly am a, I'm a cancer, so I'm a bit touchy <laughs> and also do not like to be touched at certain points and vice versa, like mm -hmm. being aware of someone else's need for space or touch in this, these moments. But, um, but I found myself to be more able to physicalize things that are not necessarily verbal. Mm. Sense. So, this may be a thread that, whatever, is a dead end, but I'm interested because, selfishly, because it, it kind of relates to me, but, so I think, like, embodiment and, like, feeling weird about your body, like, that's, you know, definitely a trans experience, but also, like, because you mentioned, like, you were premature, you are very sick, there's also part of that to me that's, like, at least in my experience, like, there's this weird sick kid experience that's like can also be so formative and like how you approach the world and people approach you and what mm -hmm. they assume about you. Um, so I was like curious if you feel like that's had also an impact on like how you feel about your body or how you express yourself or anything. I'm sure it has, but yeah, I um even down to the things that I feel I can or cannot do. Mm -hmm. One time, I nearly drowned in learning how to swim. <laughs> Thank you, Kansas. Um, 
as a person who grew up with asthma mm-hmm. and is like grown out of it, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, I've just been thinking about learning to swim again. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm like, I don't know how to swim, sure. It's a class that you take in secondary school that I have had, mm-hmm. but part of my thought was like, oh, you'll better be able to breathe and work on that. Yeah. It also is like, I'm more aware of things like dust and debris Mm -hmm. and just moving about spaces. Mm -hmm. There is a, um, there is a way one can use time, use time or see or experience time differently from being inside of a building Mm -hmm. than when one is outside of nature. Yes. Yeah. And so that has deeply affected me to speak on it toward you. And I feel as though I continually try and go back into nature Mm -hmm. at this point. Is that, I mean, because you mentioned as like a kid, you were indoors a lot. Is that also like, now you have the chance to like, you're going to take it as much as you can? Oh, I like to take it as much (laughs) as I can. Um, Life that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have such a, I have a lust for life, to quote a girl's song. Um, there's just, for, at this point in my life, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, is it a weekend we can go hiking? Okay, let's Mm -hmm. do it. Can we, like, just be in the mountains, Mm -hmm. which is, like, where I've grown up, near the ocean, in the mountains? Let's do it. Yeah. I have a fantasy of like, <clears throat> and I mean to do it this year actually, yeah. go skydiving. It's just kind of like, well, let's do it. Yeah. Versus not everyone is necessarily like that. And I think that it is partly as a result of having been inside for so long. Mm-hmm. There's just a different sense of freedom mm-hmm. that one experiences. I mean, that is just inclusive, right? Right, Like, of one living this life. Um, Does that answer your question at all? It does, yeah. I mean, I kind of get to that. It's kind of interesting, though. So you love nature, but you live in, like, the city that's defined by, like, it's basically lack of... I mean, there's parks, but, like, why a city, then? There is more of a sense of freedom. Mm. that energy that is here is healing there's a, a different sense of community yeah. um, I don't feel right because one could go to an intentional community right yeah. you can move to Ida and just be there all year I'm not saying but that's just not me no. is yeah. it no it's not that's why I was can you imagine these clothes there? <laughs> like they're fine for a week Right. But imagine, <laughs> like, I still like to do, there's still a sense of connectedness to humans that I need just as much as a connection to mm. nature. And I find that I'm able to have that here mm. in a different way. It's not the same, uh, what is it called? Envelopment? Does that make sense? When you yeah. are... You're fully immersed in something. Yeah, that's not it. That's not what. what it's you're not the have word here. Bl- Yeah, that makes sense. So wait, okay, very boring question. Wait, no, you're gonna say something. Yeah, but more so, what 
I have here is finding nature in my actual life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I get beautiful moments. I've cycled most of the year, yeah. taken a couple of breaks recently because I have to get my cycle fixed. Mm -hmm. But while I'm cycling especially, there is, I've really am visited by my ancestors. It's mm -hmm. not just cycling, but because I'm more in my body, I'm more able to experience it. So I have moments where when I feel the wind in my hair against my skin, whether it is, you know, in the negatives, mm -hmm. or whether it is a gentle breeze. Yeah. Either way, I know, for me, that is my grandmother giving me a bit of a hug and, mm -hmm. and holding on to me and saying, this is where your body is right now, and I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. I get to see the sunset and know throughout this this polluted sky, city light devastation mm -hmm. that I'm still transported to specific places. Yeah. Um, it's taking a moment and going into a park and making time to meditate under a tree in the middle of it all. Yeah. It's saying, for me at least, that I'm able to live with this no matter where I am. We're always connected. And I couldn't imagine not having that connection anywhere I was because I find that that parallels the need and the necessity for interpersonal communication and relationship. Makes sense. Yeah, because it's about finding that kind of... There's only about the connection of finding that nature when it's not necessarily expected. That mm. makes it a little deeper, yeah. a little richer. I was in the tube, and one of my favorite things every time is when you're able to stand somewhere, mm. and as the train is coming in to the station, you feel that gust of wind. Mm. Some people don't like it. They'll, they'll mention a miasma, something to deal with the olfactory senses. But mm. for me, as a person who cannot smell very well, okay, especially, so. <laughs> it is sometimes in my life it's been the only sense of movement I've been able to feel. Mm. Particularly when I took the tube a lot, it would be you wake up early, you go to work, you're working a 12-hour day, come home, maybe you get that wind. Yeah. And then it's enlivening. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that um, I used to work kind of uh, like on Canal and Broadway and mm -hmm. I would do the 40 minute walk to the a train station <laughs> that was better for me because mm -hmm. I just like to like I wanted that walk like yes. I'd been inside all day I mm -hmm. needed that like moment of I'm outside I'm in this city there's other people there are things outside of office walls yes yeah. very much that yeah okay so very boring question oh bring it uh how long have you lived in New York or like when did you move here whichever is easier to answer January, I moved like January first week of January. This year? N this year, yeah, yes. I was like. Of this year. This is my third, because I'm on my third year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I guess this is, I'm on my third year, so it's been two and a half. Yeah, that sounds about Roughly. right. Was it? Yeah. I was just going to get it, because like you had... You've lived so many places and had such a nomadic life. I was wondering if this is like 
Oh, just a moment you're in, you probably have no idea necessarily, but this is a moment you're in New York, or is this like a place you're trying to be for a while? Yeah, I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. I've been my entire life. <laughs> That's been, it's been ridiculous, actually. My family knew before I did that I'd lived here. They mm -hmm. knew my life. Kind of hatefully so, in mm -hmm. all honesty, as kind of a, as a put off. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about this. You'll be in New York. Don't worry about that. You'll be in New York. Literally. Uh -huh. I was five. First time I've heard it. Like they knew my entire life. They were, it must have been my grandmom. Mm -hmm. Then my mom repeated it. It's beautiful, premonition, but also Strange depending on how it's, it's used. Yeah, and it really was throughout my entire life. Such a strange, because it was throughout the world. I've lived so many places, and for them to just say, oh, you'll be here. And I've tried a couple of times throughout my life to kind of see if it made sense at the time. Mm -hmm. Didn't. Yeah. Took me a bit of time. And um, yeah, so I, I will be rooted here. Yeah. This is it. Uh, my biggest, what I see in my mind's eye mm -hmm. is that I will be here in Brooklyn, maybe Manhattan, depending on the place, mm -hmm. but probably not really. I don't, I want to be there for a little bit, but I really would love to stay here. Mm -hmm. And then I will go out and see the rest of the world, but keep coming back. Yeah. I really think that it will be my work that will bring me worldwide. And mm -hmm. I'm, it's going to be tough traveling so much. I can already see, I know what I'll be doing. Mm -hmm. I know, I know the deep impact I'll be making on this planet. Yeah. And it's not going to be easy. Um, because it's all root, rooted in healing. Yeah. And really trying to support and uplift communities, those of us that are the quiet or silent majority mm -hmm. while holding no power. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Here we are, people of color. <laughs> <laughs> Just filling your uh, in prison industrial complexes and your mm -hmm. impoverished communities that won't be for forever. And I want to be a part of changing that. Yeah. Changing the dynamic of what it is to be a person not of color and a person of color and kind of reaffirming the humanity that we have in life rather than allowing patriarchy seen through its many gazes. Yeah. Racism, all the fucking phobias, <laughs> I don't need to list them, but I mean, especially now, needs to be mentioned white supremacy and yeah. white feminist supremacy just needs to be said yeah so that's there and experienced so frequently is that something i mean the answer is it's experienced all over the world but is that something that's felt more present in new york in some ways than in other places it's just different, different isn't it yeah like when i was in berlin it was me like being a part of my own history mm -hmm. and yet still being an outsider, mm -hmm. right? As a German Jew, it's a bit funny to be there as a person of color and to be trans and just all the fucking <laughs> things. You're like, oh my God, okay already, <laughs> stop it. 
Um, fuck. However, but that's different. Yeah. When you're there, it's not... The racism is a bit more of a nationalism mm. to which people of color see themselves as German more than as a black German. It's nearly, at this point, an American invention. Yeah. Or, in that way, a very Western and specific Western invention mm. to use identity as an empowerment in such as a tool in such a way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, <coughs> I think the relationship anywhere you are in this world kind of lends itself to those little tweaks and nuances. Yeah. So what one feels and the respect one gets in Chicago is going to be different from what one gets from Houston. Yeah. And it's not necessarily totally different. It's just about how people will relate to you and how they'll share themselves honestly or less honestly. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah, the sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm from the Midwest and I have an English mom. I certainly know about hiding honesty. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, yeah, sharing. You can call it politeness. You can call it, because it's not civility. That's not what it is. It's a real lack of vulnerability. Thank you. Is what it is. And, and you'll it's have all these social words for it, these mm -hmm. things that, niceties. Yeah. But they're not really nice, are they? No. It's when someone, Atlanta says, God bless you. You know what that means. Yeah. Well, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. The fuck? Yeah. Like, I know what you're saying. What did I do? Like. Yeah. I see you, and I hear your coded language. The the Midwestern version of ending a phone call is to say, "I better let you go now." Oh, I've oh I've heard it. You I've know, said it. I've point. done it so much. Oh, but it's you know it's like I can't say that I want to stop talking to you, so I'm gonna. It's this favor I'm doing you, so that you can get on with your day. And oddly, that is still, that is a bit of a feminine thing. Yeah. It's not even that that person necessarily always has to go, but it's that acknowledgement that it's like weirdly cited where yeah. you feel like you have to end the call for whatever reason. And it may be that you'll feel that you're taking up another person's time. It may be mm -hmm. that you have to go, but you need them to know that you don't want to inconvenience them. Mm -hmm. Conversation's over sometimes. It's yeah. just, okay, talk to you later. Done. <laughs> but that's not really how it's no, meant to go. that's not how we do it. Not yet. No. Maybe not ever, but who knows? Yeah. It's at least one way I definitely, I, I know deeply. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because no. it's been a minute since I've remembered that oh for man. myself. I once, my little brother and I were on the phone. We said at the same time. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, all right, we're just going to hang up now. And that's your brother. My brother. That's like... Of you all just, the it's so ingrained. I didn't even realize I did it for such a long time. And then, like, I, you know, read a thing about the Midwest and it just mentioned that that was like a cultural thing. I was like, that's right. That is. I do like all the time because yeah. I don't know how to, like, it's, I mean, that's something that, like, I, there's definitely habits I've noticed that, like, have changed since living in New York. Like, I've adopted the New York style <clears throat> of, of doing things mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, 
which has been kind of interesting because then I like notice how that shifts when I go other places or how it doesn't shift. Yeah. Um, like when I visit family in England, my, my accent doesn't shift, but I, I change all the words I use or the ways in which I use them. Mm. Like I, I talk a little, not, I'm still me, but I talk a little bit different because like, yeah, my granny's 95. So I'm going to say the, you know, I'm going to say trouser instead of pants so she gets what I'm saying. But also like. Yeah, because pants are something very different. They're very different. You don't want to say that to her. One time, one time <laughs> I was talking to my cousin. I was like eight years old and I said fanny pack. She was mortified. Yeah. I, had, I, I was like, there was five minutes where we couldn't figure out why. Like She was also eight. She was also, yeah. She's like nine months younger than me. So yeah, it was like. funny. I was like fanny pack. And she's like, what? It's like, the, you know, the thing on the, you know, bum and bag. And she's like, no, that's not it. And you're like, bum, bum bag. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not any better. No, it sounds like a female condom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, you look at it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, is that... So, kind of now I have two threads. I'm like, how, have, how do you, has your style changed when you're in New York? But I think maybe another thing is I'm interested in, like, this... The, the thread of healing I see in like your personal narrative air quotes but also like in your goal like what is what has been most healing for you mm. you want to start that oh and it's about starting with style yeah it's um it's funny New York has a very like it's a it's a very American thing mm -hmm. being here even if it doesn't look completely American, right? Yeah. I'm wearing a barber jacket and Levi's. Mm -hmm. But the look, completely American. Yeah. Like, you can't even deny it, even though it's a proper British jacket. <laughs> it's just as if I were to go hunting. But it's springtime. Mm -hmm. You can finally fucking wear your barber. Yeah. Which is lightning. Um, I'll show <clears> you photos. My, when we visit our family in the country, it's like, yes. And you go into town and everyone has a barber jacket on. Next time you're, I should have actually driven you some times to go. Because they're so much less expensive there. That's true. Should have just got one second hand. Mm -hmm. Next okay. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, on topic. Uh, I don't, I think that New York has opened me up to different things. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I make a point in my feminism to not change wearing trousers or wearing skirts or dresses. Mm -hmm. It is really important to me to like not be unhinged yeah. in that way because I don't want to, I'm not holding anyone else to the binary, so why would I try and hold myself to it? Mm -hmm. And the times when patriarchy creeps in, it really, it gives me a double take and I have to be like, the fuck? <laughs> like, that's not cool. Um, I have to think about it. So. It's a bit of a, being in the city, you easily see a way people exert toughness through their style. Yeah. That is more often than not for the benefit of them in their make-believe. Mm. Uh, that is, um, fake it till you make it. Yeah. It's, it's disingenuous, in all honesty, I've seen people who just could afford the clothes and so bought a look and it just 
they're wearing a look that wears them, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And I hope to be the opposite. I try very hard to look as though these clothes were made for me because they have been. I've worked hard for my existence. Mm-hmm. And so what I wear is something that I'm really try to be comfortable in mm-hmm. even if it's a fucking jumper and jeans yeah then i'm trousers like well here i am yeah i'm gonna be comfortable and it's about like how i feel and what i mean to share with the world mm-hmm. it's always myself but it's what is the function i'm going to mm-hmm. and what do i need from the experience mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah because that's what you're really doing when you put on clothes, presenting yourself to the world. And so to to allow myself to really think about it, even like at this point very quickly and to not not really think twice. Mm-hmm. I just kinda go with my gut. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of the time they're clothes I've picked up off my bedroom floor. <laughs> Truly. I mean, who puts clothes away? Mm-hmm. Responsible people. Who no, yeah. Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. Everyone has a chair just piled with clothes. Oh my god, that's true. It's everyone has the clothes chair. Yes. Okay, but now healing. Healing. It's like um. It's a daily gig, no? Mm-hmm. My mom. Who is my main connection to my ancestors? Mm-hmm. Um. My grandmother's always been there. Even while living, she... We'd go on these walks. I've been calling them witches' walks. We'd go through the mountainside, Mm -hmm. into the forest, and just meander every day. Mm. Eventually making our way to the library, where I would... Oh, this speaks so well of me, or or (laughs) so notably of who I am as a human being. I would go to the reference desk and check out a specific encyclopedia Mm. of roses. It couldn't be checked out, but I would just stare at these roses and try and understand their Latin names and what the, and like try and build relationships between Mm. them, between the name and then the sight. Obviously, I didn't have all of the senses, but I really Mm. would just like sit with these these flowers and just notice all the nuances. Mm. Yeah. And so she's always been a part of my life in that way. Even to, and she's always come as wind Mm -hmm. and weather. She's been active in my life, but she's been a guiding force for me. So that has kind of reinforced this need and this desire and this home feeling mm-hmm. in the outdoors and in mm-hmm. in the elements. Yeah, more so. Yeah. Um, so I have quite a bit of healing there and in the act of breath. I spent a lot of time leaving this body. Mm-hmm. Oof, which is like most of my life. Yeah. It was Kwanzaa that's just passed. Yeah. So 2016 into 2017. 
this Kwanzaa Hanukkah, um, some of the deepest I've had. Prior to that, I was in um, the countryside, about an hour from Berlin in Germany, mm -hmm. where two people I'm honored to know, Joy Marama Smith, my queer trans hero, and Jamil Kasako, both performance artists um, of African American descent, um, have we're holding a workshop for people of color who are artists on healing, and it really, after years of being a back and forth kind of spirit, it's where I've found most of my efficacy. It really opened me up and allowed me, I made it a point to get there mm -hmm. nearly 10 years in the making. Wow. Truly, I've, I've known of the, the spaces called Ponderosa, mm -hmm. known of it for about a decade. Just didn't afford myself it. Yeah. Had the money, what? could have always had the money. It really, That's I mean. That's so American. Yeah, it, it's just that. That denial. Didn't feel I owed it myself. Didn't yeah. feel myself worthy of it. Yeah. I was like, oh, these are my savings. What if something bad were to happen? X, Y, Z. <laughs> well, I've spent all of it and I'm building back up and I'm fine, yeah. quite frankly. I'm living the life I'm meant to live. So it really started there um, and that was over this past summer. I just was able to experience a sense of freedom. Yeah. I never felt fully connected to blackness. It's not that I didn't experience the world as a person of color and particularly as a black American, right? Because it's a one drop rule here. Yeah. So you can all pass as, if anyone can read you as, that is kind of your thrust upon experience, nearly, because mm. that's how the world views you. But it's not always what it is. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm quite a few ethnicities and races, and so never had a full proper sense of community. Mm. I've been living in these kind of isolated spaces within the context of my own family that was quite small. And then living throughout the world, it's mostly been white. Yeah. And like various forms, people not of color, people who are white valued, um, but always kind of the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. So there were senses of community, but it's not necessarily been that kind of Janet Jackson poetic justice realness. Rather, it's been, you need a cup of sugar where we've got sugar. Didn't matter, didn't matter for what you needed. Yeah. If we had, we would. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It really was like the kind of families where not everyone was afforded gifts on holidays. Mm -hmm. We pull together, no matter what it is. The neighbor maybe goes with you to the Salvation Army as you're waiting. Pick up gifts for your kids and they'll do the same. It's these nuances. Oh, yeah. you're going to the thrift store. Maybe I'll take us this time. Maybe next time you'll take us. Yeah. It's that kind of gig where no one really, it's a very American thing to not reference 
race or ethnicity to just blindly be held mm. in this kind of American departure from the dream. Yeah. That is that is really what it was. And so it wasn't until this year that I've really felt a sense of comfortability and agency. Mm. And it's not even that I feel that way about all of the ethnicities <laughs> ethnicities <laughs> that I am or that I'm fortunate enough to be embodied mm. to be to embody yeah um, because so many people have lived and loved and hoped for me whatever version it is of they thought of I get to be their hope in this instance I feel great honor and yeah. treasure in that. Yeah. And due to the world more, particularly as a person who occasionally thinks of mothering children, mm -hmm. how I would do that, how I would not, whether yeah. it is biologic or not, don't know. Yeah. Probably won't. Probably will adopt if I were to at this point. But. It happened in Europe first, and very incrementally, just building and building and building of joy and safety. Mm. Understanding various practices to work pain out of the system and ways to guard oneself from it. Not from the pain, but from the onslaught yeah. of transphobia and queerphobia, mm. more so. The daily racism shown through micro yeah. Been able to see Michael Joyce now. That's a beautiful expression. Yeah, it's much more honest. Yeah. It's not just it's not just aggression that people show. It's not just the anger or the pain, the anguish in mm -hmm. these moments. It's we have it all. Yeah. And it's able to be everything in a second. Yeah. In the course of conversation, how one feels with another person can range millennia. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It should be seen and respected. So I'm trying to open language up for myself in that way. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's back to writing, that's where yeah. I really am focusing on, as I write this chapbook, brown, black, queer liberation. And through that, you know, particularly trans, it's yeah. important, but that's just my perspective. But through my perspective, I mean to look at us more deeply in our healing as a society. Yeah. No one is left behind in this. It's all of us or nothing. And that yeah. includes the people who are hate mongers. Yeah. Their existence is so vital to this world and it's not that their ideologies are doing anything to save it. Quite mm -hmm. the opposite. But that does not devalue who they are as human beings. The value of them as people isn't diminished by what they choose to do as people. Yes, thank mm. you. That's a very beautiful way of saying that. I was, I was making sure I was working through it right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I hear, I feel like this, a lot of this conversation has come out with like, something I knew about you, but like, I feel like coming across of like, your real embrace of like complexity and nuance. Mm. I mean, mm -hmm. like, even this where you're like, you know, you touch upon with your family where like 
it sounds like there was some real hard stuff with relating to them, but also like this beautiful connection to them even now. Um, so much so. You know, and like a lot of that stuff of like, you know, that that finding out the like, well, it's this or it's that, but it's like the the middle path, I guess. Yeah, it's to say that I know that I don't know everything. Yeah, I know that I don't get to have another person's full experience. What I get mm -hmm. to have is what they show me, and in that. That's got it. It's always going to be. We'll never fully be able to know another being in the manner in which we communicate right now. Mm -hmm. What we can do best is allow a space for that person to be more than we know. Right. And to acknowledge that behind any and every action, boundless things that we will not be able to fully articulate, mm -hmm. but also understand yeah just not always meant for us and yet inside of these little brains we really strive for it right. we strive to put every round peg into a square hole mm -hmm. and it's not I shouldn't say we with specificity right. but with a, a deep generality yeah that it's Overall, we very much so that, and it's not to say that that's not going to change. I really don't believe that it will stay fixed. We're not stagnant, mm -hmm. clearly. Yeah. Um, and I, I value the space I make in the world in trying to change that and recognizing daily how. complex we are as human beings mm -hmm. and sometimes that that can be quite painful yeah um especially when it comes to the actions of people rooted in vitriolic and hateful ideology mm -hmm. it becomes much more difficult to allow one the fluidity of nuance and mm -hmm. understanding when they can be so rigid mm -hmm. and eroding of one's own betterment, self-respect, physical, mental, emotional safety, mm -hmm. to know that, having gone to Mercado recently, mm -hmm. I wish I had my mobile with me so I could see, it seems as though the person who really is known as like the father of gynecology mm -hmm. what that person had done was take black Over. slave women they've gone yeah and repeatedly torture them mm -hmm. and that's not anything new yeah but i'm filled with so much anger and so much yeah. pain i can feel it so viscerally my own vagina being repeatedly burned and cut and burned and cut mm -hmm. and excavated and that is there are no words yeah there are literally no words for what I would do if I were in the same room I don't know yeah and those people still exist the people who would do that are still here mm -hmm. on this plane in acting and enforcing those things mm-hmm 
we don't know exactly who we don't yeah. know who they are, you and I. But I know for a fact that similar things are still happening. Yeah. It's particularly difficult against obviously anyone living in a feminine world. Yeah. Not just people who are living with vaginas, but also just so strongly this work against people of color. Yeah. This, I've recently heard of this research where when doctors were um, polled and questioned about their practices with pain medicine, as we were in that workshop, yeah. what was Lilith's last name, Nicole? Um, oh, Lilith's last name? Can we just later cite the things that we're citing? Yes, yeah. Okay. Loads. I want to say it's, wa it's not Washington, but I don't know why that's stuck in my head. Probably, <laughs> probably a slave name. Hopefully yeah. not. Who knows? Yeah, yeah Loads, um, who's wonderful. Who's amazing. But we're citing that study where there's just a lack of understanding from a white person's perspective that a person of color, and particularly a black person, what they deem as a black person, mm -hmm. could be anyone from across the world, whether that person agrees with it or not, that they will have a different sense of pain, mm -hmm. end of humanity, literally, to this day, in the, what is it, the 21st, 22nd century? One of those, yeah. 21st century. TBH, even though nearly feels like the 22nd because I'm living in the future, that people still can look at another human being and disregard them as a human being. Yeah. Yet that person is in authority and probably the only person who has access to that position mm -hmm. because of their privilege. Mm -hmm. So it goes across the board. It's not why is that research not given and being used for police people? Why is that research not given being used to people in government? Why mm -hmm. is that research not being used to the people who fucking design our public spaces? Mm -hmm. It's like all of this is vital and the dots are all there and yet no one's connecting them. Yeah. That is part of what I mean to do in this life and I've known it since I was a kid. Dot connect? Yeah, at least point out the dots and allow you to fucking do the work. <laughs> that's what it is. I yeah. think that's more of what it is. I did I did the, the connect the dots. You have to connect them. I've made it. You know that there's a picture here. I mean, I think that's part of what it is to be a writer. Yeah. And to do it well. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's even me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm sure. I'll say it's you for you. That's what I would aspire to do. Yeah. But I kn I've known, I've known, especially thinking about physics, there is something very close to where we're at in our research. And mm -hmm. this is why I want to go back to school, is because we are very close to unlocking ways of uniting ourselves as humanity in general. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why there is so much pain and hatred right now in the world is because this is the last of it. 
it's the last of this whiteness really being able to exist and so it's trying with all of its might to is it promulgate yeah promulgate itself and we're just not going to have it but it's going to be very hard in the interim Mm -hmm. of now when we feel like it's on its rise though it's not completely it's just what's seen and what's visible it's not everything Mm. and when it finally is dead because it will leave that energy will go somewhere and it will be turned back into us yeah like a wave cresting yes it's exactly that thank you yeah um god we know that it's something (laughs) when angela merkel (laughs) is the voice of reason (laughs) for now lbh yeah that's there was so long in our in our lives that we were like this woman's crazy. When you felt like she was still on the right, and now things have gone so far supremacist that she is now the sounding voice when interacting with the leaders of this country. Yeah. It's befuddling. But that's all right. It is. That's... To quote, is it... Oh, wait, oh, I forgot to get it right. Oh, of course, I can't think of the singer, but I can sing with you. Okay. It's not right, but okay. it's okay. Oh, God, who is that? <laughs> whoever's recording, whoever, like, types yeah. this up is going to be like, keep dummies. <laughs> it's obviously. It's clearly. It's all. It's got to be. Is it not Destiny's Child yeah. who does everything? Yeah, let's just say it's Destiny's Child. God, I feel It's probably, it's Beyonce's involved somewhere in that, probably. (laughs) It's fucking Whitney Houston, thank you very much. There we go, yes. The original Beyonce. Yes. Oh, God bless her heart and soul. She was a person who allowed herself vulnerability in public. Yes, she did. So, we'll say the original Barbara. Yeah. In my life. Because even Barbara is not really mine. Yeah. She's a bit too old for me. Yeah. And not to compare women. TBH. Whitney Houston, magic on earth and everywhere. Barbara Streisand. God, I wouldn't be able to be who I am without Yentl. Truly. That's when did you first see it? I was like, oh, you love this. You wanna hear this oxymoron? Yeah. My mom would buy musicals for me. The fuck? <laughs> While still being like unable to understand the person I am as a human being. While still trying to be supportive. You need to watch these musicals because you're going to live in New York. And That's probably it. <laughs> New Yorkers love musicals. And it really and it really like hit all of the kind of bases. Yeah. I can't even remember all of them. But it's such a weird, important part of my life to be, to have grown up with like Yentl. And um, West Side Story. Yeah. I can't even remember the other ones at this point. It's like My Own Private Idaho like, came in right after. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the classics. It sounds like these were, you know, like, it's out of music. I don't even understand. No. I mean, yeah. she had it, but that's not me. No. The hills are alive, please. <laughs> yeah. That's, you can pretend you're Whitman, but you're not. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've discovered a, a deep sense of self and understanding here. I think that's what they've already they'd already known for mm-hmm. and for me. It's here I've been able to meet trans people or people with a variant gender experience, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether they identify as trans or not, who have been kind and welcoming. Yeah, I was gonna say as a community. Yeah. So to to talk about you a little bit more and not just the the world. Oh yeah, oops. The, oh you're yeah, it's fine. I oops. love it. I love all of this. But um, so you said like you you came out of trans at fifteen, but I'm wondering like. What's your first, like memory of like knowing what transness is or knowing what transness is in yourself? No, that's a bit harder, isn't that it? That is a little bit harder. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Well, around the same time as coming out, mm-hmm. and I cannot recall truly if it's pre and post this experience I think I was I think I was still 15 I <coughs> was doing safer sex outreach because mm-hmm. what else are you going to do when you're like young and queer and in a small town yeah and like had very that was the other gig is mm-hmm. that as a feminine person it means the way you're watched is quite different mm-hmm. so whereas my brother had the ability to kind of live his life for whatever it was mm-hmm. with a sense of freedom mine was such that it was you go to your job you're picked up by a parent you're dropped off by a parent you are allowed to go to certain places, but with the knowledge of what that place is and who will be there and kind of what the experience you're meant to have will be. And so one of the ways I felt a little bit of freedom fucking stuffing condom packets and and tabling, really. And I got to meet people kind of outside of my own sphere. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful. On one of those trips, we went to Boston. No, not Boston. Never been. Gonna have to go at some point, but <laughs> delay. S- still, and not wouldn't even look at Harvard. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, couldn't. Yeah. The racism there, especially at the time, so much yeah. higher. I mean, this is the city of Marky Mark blinding an Asian man, mm-hmm. getting off with it scot free because mm-hmm. he's a good liar. Yeah. Not being remorseful and still being able to fucking hurt people because of racism. Yeah. So, uh, St. Louis, I remember getting on the bus to go to this trip with people, and there was just another trans woman there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was way pre passing. Like, mm-hmm. That was not really an option. It was m- much more, what is it, erudite survival. There's a, there's a certain kind of austerity almost yeah. to it where you're not 
particularly afforded, literally mm-hmm. afforded such things, particularly in the space that I was at, right? right? Because these people didn't necessarily have the same means as someone who would live in any sort of metropolis. When yeah. you're in a larger town, a smaller city, and you're one of few trans people, you really are viewed. Yeah. And, and you're known, too, and are really... Oh, you're so known. You're really known. Yeah, I found out much later that my kid brother, though very abusive toward me, did a very fine job of trying to hold off a lot of physical violence he saw from in the outside community. Mm. Not all of it. I mean, I, I do know. There were very scary moments in my life from other people's hands in every year I've lived. Mm. There, were, there were very very disturbing times where I I'm the person I am today because I've been able to survive from mm. at points a daily literally daily assault the nice parts of it was when it was just verbal and that was like that was years Years of living in smaller places where people would. It's just part of it. It's not wholly part of it, but in that time, there was less openness because Mm -hmm. there was less visibility, because there was less communication, because there was less connection to say, I'm a human too, Mm -hmm. and to be seen as such, which is, I think, why I feel so to hear about this fucking proliferation of whiteness mm-hmm. dehumanizing people of color because mm-hmm. it's something I've experienced so frequently and it was like three to five years of my life where it was a literal onslaught of pain and I've worked very hard to understand how to interact with people in that way now how mm-hmm. to how to cope with the world when I'm not able to do my fucking <laughs> take the space for myself right. and to provide myself with some care and tactics it can become dicey and mm. it, it becomes harder um, the larger part was healing but the question you had asked I can't quite recall oh no it's fine I asked um, <clears throat> one like a moment of, of kind of awareness of transness whether in the world ah. or in yourself I was like younger than 15, mm-hmm. probably 11, mm-hmm. walking to the shop like not, you'll love this. I lived in a town in which you could drive to what would be a bodega, mm-hmm. but it's um, freestanding. Okay, yeah. So you, the person who works there is on the inside, mm-hmm. and one goes up to the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like it's you can't go in. But it's not a it's not a petrol. Yeah, it's not that at all. It's just 
just they provide for you mm-hmm. and so i was buying <laughs> it's buying like cigarettes mm-hmm. for my mom and dad like just normal mm-hmm. nothing like being 13 and being able to have a relationship being known right because mm-hmm. you would be there with your family and then to know that you could still do that and to not even be a person who smoked mm-hmm. because both parties involved would rat you out right there's never <laughs> right like yeah no one wanted to get in trouble with someone else mm-hmm. breaking the law breaking the law breaking the <laughs> law that's what it was um but it was not that it was something it was like maybe i was coming home from school or walking to bus stop something like this mm-hmm. and i just remember deeply just walking making my hips an infinity sign and understanding that in my joy that I'm not only being seen that it is then dangerous and that my happiness of this feminine gate is also perilous mm. and that lasted a block I remember specifically where I was I mean I cannot tell you the names of the streets yeah. but if I were to be dropped in this place I could go to there yeah and that is there's a certain brutality in that. Yeah. To know that in some ways, that in what you feel is a sense of agency, and you don't have the language for it in this right. moment. Like, it's not that I knew this. I knew this corporally. I knew this physically. Right. I knew this inside of myself, but I did not know this to have a to have language for it. Yeah. So it's upon reflection now I'm able, like when I'm asked these questions, like, oh yeah, like there I was just with my fucking, you know, faggot body just kind of moving, pretending I had these giant, wondrous hips. Mm -hmm. Whoever wanted big tits, that's not really me. (laughs) It's so funny, in my ideal world, since the minute I was little, Mm -hmm. always thought myself as a person who would have a very specific body yeah. that is mostly um, mostly seen as another trans experience, but not necessarily one that people would put on me. Mm. It's just that my body and my who I am don't always match up. I've made it work mm-hmm. to feel comfortable within this body, but it's not it's not really my own sense of myself yeah. most times. So big hips, beautiful yeah. small tits. Not even. Not small tits. Like maybe just what is there yeah. now. Yeah, I mean that's those are the tits I was talking about. Thank you. <laughs> maybe a little more definition, but I mean it's not any different from any other trans man. But I wouldn't yeah. necessarily be called that because that's not me. Yeah. That's why trans person makes the most sense to me. It's like my body doesn't matter really right yeah. but it's just this notion that i'm a fucking human being yeah. <laughs> as we all are <laughs> and i'm not going to adhere to any of the rules that are previously set for me it's yeah. not to say that i'm not a person who wants to play basketball because right. that's just the thing that's just an action there's not a gender attached to it no. just like there's not to cooking right. everybody needs to eat yeah. Everybody needs exercise. Mm-hmm. It's so archaic the way that 
it's so funny these very specific things are are gendered of like you know from wielding like hand gestures to like you know right basketball a, a game this game isn't for this gender yeah all of a sudden it's you have to be in the WNBA and not the NBA whereas the people are just as talented yeah just a little bit shorter comparatively not That's that it, much but not even truly yeah baffles me yeah daily to just think Um, so, I guess I've, I've always kind of known, and I think that also yeah. reflects in my style, is that I try... Can time very quickly? No. It's eight. It's eight now? Yes. We have about half an hour that Okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure we didn't go over. Thank you. Sucks. Um. But you've always kind of had a sense of transness. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny to me. I've never really... I've known that I'm not really meant to be in either box, mm -hmm. even when I was a kid. Mm. And I know, just from doing the work for myself, that it's not necessarily, because I've really, I work hard to divorce my experience with trauma and abuse mm -hmm. from who I am, because that's not me. Yeah, I'm a person who has lived through it and experienced it, but that's not really that's not going to diminish or to, what is it? Um, Desk. Harden me. Mm. Those aren't the building blocks, truly. Yeah. I think what it is, is the person you mentioned earlier who's able to see more than just what is shown, to mm. see past the action. That is a little bit more of where I lie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining young you swinging your hips down that block. I don't even know what I was wearing. <laughs> I'm putting you in the current outfit. Uh, doable. But, or in those pants where the, yeah. the, the trousers I'll went over the shoes. If I find photos, I'll bring them to you. Oh my God, I would love to see that. Um. So when you kind of mentioned like New York City, <coughs> I'm going to assume it's not, like, the first place where you were around other trans people, but maybe it was. But, like, I mean, you've mentioned, like, the community. It seems like, I mean, community and people are really driving force. I think that it's the place where I've found myself, mm. where I've mostly opened up with myself and my trans experience. Yeah. It's been a lifelong experience, and yet that doesn't mean that though I've held the identity, that I've fully embraced it within myself. Yeah. That I've had the yeah I've had the experience but not necessarily felt an agency yeah and it really has been here that I've been able to be like uh huh mm -hmm. I felt very alone in a lot of the places I've been. It's not to say that other people haven't shared experiences, but I didn't have that sense of community. Yeah, that I would have one or two friends, and even in that, it's not. There just was not the same amount of bonding, and that is more than likely because I was so outside of myself still. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to specifically talk about uh, my relationship with drugs and alcohol. Okay, let's I do it. I was actually yelling at 
Okay, do you want to go urinate and then we can talk about drugs and alcohol? Yeah. Perfect. Should we pause? I don't know how to pause. I'm okay. a little scared to touch anything, so it's just going to run. And okay. Or we can go to the washroom and just keep it going. We can keep it going. I mean... Is that weird? I mean... Not for you and me, but... Yeah, I don't know how good the sound would be. I'm looking to see if there's, like, a pause button. Um, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to mess with it. Okay. I love those shoes. I'll be right back. Go for it. Do you have any pliers, please? <laughs> fast no problem you were good also I realized I just wrote down about the time when you left I put it back so if they want to splice out okay cool so okay drugs I <laughs> let's get into it mm. sounds like some pussy <laughs> let's get into it um I so I grew up in a family of people who utilized drugs and alcohol in a way that was abusive um, as a way to deal with their sense of self and the trauma they lived. My, like, <laughs> my poor father like, grew up with his own abuse and then um, as a kid. And so when I later found that out, it really, I had already been opening my heart to him, mm -hmm. but that was the thing that I was just like, I cannot, I cannot wholly blame you. Yeah. That would be, that would be very limiting of me and, and disingenuous, mm -hmm. disingenuous for like, for the person I am and the integrity that I feel I have toward myself and to you and just the respect of another human being. Mm -hmm. But both of them, my mom was not a big drinker. Mm -hmm. And she did not particularly abuse um, drugs or alcohol in any way that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, but her partner certainly did, and it, it really created a lot of conflict for us as a family unit. That, also being part Native American, there's like a, a oh, serious history there. like a generational, there. yeah. It was really, really, really tough in that way. And it wasn't until I was older that I began to think about that. Mm -hmm. 
there is a like once I left their house at sixteen, mm-hmm. which I like I skipped a grade and then um I was born a bit early or like started school early, so mm-hmm. that's how I ended up graduating before other people because I was quite young. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I didn't know how to quite deal with the world, and so I, I started drinking by the time I was like 17 or 18, because I was like on my own. I Where mean, were you living then? We moved, we moved, I moved to Pittsburgh. Okay. I was like, got into the University, of, I got into so many schools, but the one that gave me the most money was the University of Pittsburgh. Okay. And that was what my family like signed off on as people who didn't go to uni. Yeah. Different, I would have, would have different, different, different life don't know what it would be yeah so in a lot of ways i'm glad it didn't happen i'm very pleased with life i have and i'm grateful for what i've been able to experience but yeah i could have gone to a number of ivy league schools that just did not it's not like they were there to pay for my existence and my family did not know how to negotiate that yeah um i met my closest friend longest closest Amy K. Rappa on the called radio. Um, and that's where this leaf tattoo comes in. Oh, nice. I have a tattoo of a leaf on my neck one day after meeting at like our, our local gay bar mm-hmm. where we were not carded <laughs> and clearly very young. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do much. All we did was talk about our art that we were making, truly. And she would have one drink. I would have more. I got drunk on this occasion, and we stumbled upon these leaves. And this is an oak tree. I grew up with oak and birch mm-hmm. in the village I was um, raised in, in Germany. And so it really meant a lot to me. When I'd stumbled and I fell into them, mm-hmm. I collected this particular one that's on my neck, and I pressed it. The next day, I took it to a tattoo artist. And... Lady, by the way, Z, her name was Z, not Z, Z. Um, that's also like yeah. partly why I flipped between the two. I'm not <laughs> ever like, because I think of it in this way, but then when I say Z, she's kind of there with me. Yeah. And she was like in her 50s. I mean, it was, she was a righteous lady. Yeah. Um, so she was my first tattoo artist and the coloring is like my mom's hair from a photograph and like Amy Kay's hair at the time, which was always a red color. And just like these really small little things that meant a lot to me. Even now I'm just like, oh, can't name every single one, but all feels right even still. But I really, I developed a deep relationship to using alcohol as a way to function throughout various emotions that I didn't feel I had access to in that time of my life and that continued on for many years and I would pause every now and again and just stop mm-hmm. sometimes it would last a year sometimes it would last three years I like a sense of control I smoked for a little bit too yeah. and then I would just stop and then I would smoke when I drank and like now I'm not a smoker yeah it's very much not me. Um, 
and I've only recently started drinking um, because I finally feel like I'm at a point where I acknowledge when I want to do it. So after my mom passed, I realized that I needed to not separate. I needed mm-hmm. to be communicative, allow myself to have community, whatever that would look like, mm-hmm. and I would not hinder myself from feeling that I just knew that this person that meant so much to me mm-hmm. that it's not really my place to weaken that relationship, which is something that I felt drinking would do. Yeah. So I owed it to myself in that moment. So I thought and so I think to check in. So I would just check in and I do that still to this day. Mm-hmm. Do I want to have a drink? Why would I like to have a drink? Does it make sense? What are the repercussions? X, Y, Z. Yeah. Done. But it's, I feel it should be mentioned, particularly as a trans person, mm. it's not easy to have a relationship with one's body. Yeah. And the work that one does to do it can be a lot. For me, it's like, I meditate. I have to like make time for all these <laughs> things. And it's kind of a lot of shit to yeah. do all in one day. And it's, it's not hard, but it is a lot. Yeah. And you have to figure out the things that work for you versus things that work for someone else. So I'll meditate, whether that looks like on a tree in my bedroom planned, whether it is like cycling, mm-hmm. um, doing dishes. Like, I really just try and. I love those activities for Yeah. Me. Just do it. Just I try and clear my head and just be in the body and breathe. Being mindful of the breath is just so key. And then I, I really actively try and up, up, up myself yeah. every day, everything. It's not easy being alive here now. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. People I know for a fact have no clue how to interact with someone like me. Mm-hmm. I've experienced things, particularly recently, that in all honesty, are atrocious. That would never have another human being have to deal with. And yet, these are common places for these people. This is how they interact with the world. They're just, there's a different sense of violence now. Yeah. And it's not purposeful, which is mm. disconcerting in some ways. It's almost, well, I don't want to say worse, but yeah, there's... Well, it's much harder to change. Yeah. Because it's one thing if someone knows what they're doing because then you can have somewhat of a conversation with them. Right. But if someone is unaware... You have to bring them to awareness first. Which is completely different. Yeah. And 99%... Who knows? Who knows what the numbers are, but it can be very difficult. Um, So to be guarded in some ways and to not fully give oneself to the world and yet to still be open-hearted and understanding, it's a job. Yeah. It is It is the job I do of living, to try and be forward and progressive thinking within my own mind and allow space for others to be more narrow-minded mm. while trying to not allow myself to narrow mm. and to give them space to know that their actions aren't necessarily their thoughts, even if they are that painful. And sometimes actions and thoughts do correspond 
and they are that painful. Mm. Just try and remember that you can work through it. That it's more than that. Yeah. I'm just thinking there's such like, okay, so I guess my question is like, there's the daily actions you do, but like, maybe I'll frame it this way. Like, what is, what is something that's happened recently that made you feel very joyful and embodied? Well, that's a daily experience. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't be know if here. everyone can say that. Not sure. Yeah. Not everyone, just someone. <laughs> um. Today I was mm-hmm. fucking dancing to Drake. That's <laughs> the just new like Drake? fucking doing dishes, dancing to Drake. Yeah. Mm. That's it. A lot of it is through movement, and movement is a key way I communicate and feel communication with my ancestors. Mm. Um. It's probably my most, I almost said honest, but that's not quite true. It's probably my most quick form of prayer. Yeah. In the way that that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a big thing for me, being able to move. Yeah. Just being able to. Truly, I got to get gifts for people today. That's wonderful. Who are you buying gifts for? It's my closest mate's birthday tomorrow, Joshua. Aww. And Happy birthday, Joshua. Woo, woo. <laughs> um, yeah. Happy birthday, JW. I got to get them, like, things that I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself. I'm able to, I'm in a place where I can spend what feels like an exorbitant amount of money. Not for someone who's making six figures, Mm -hmm. but if you're making like, you know, what is it? Just barely making five. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) that's right, five figures. (laughs) Get with me, ladies. I just, I feel I know how to spend my money in a way that produces joy, not just for me, but for the people I love. And other people in life. Yeah. Because why else would I do it? Right. Truly, I, and I really have to, I really work hard at that, at, at understanding that this fucking dead tree that is just turned thick paper that everyone puts their belief in that <laughs> rules this world doesn't get to have the negative power and connotation that is inherent into yeah. its form. Particularly in this country, it's just so. If we have to have capitalism, we should have the the micro joy in it that we can. Yeah, and so, re- especially when I try and spend my money, I really try and make a point that the person who's touching it with me feels some of that joy. Mm. That's really important. Can you give us just maybe ten more minutes and we can come in? Is that right? Okay. Well, we can. Yeah, let's maybe try and help actually. Yeah, let's do that. You wanna? Um, how should we end this? How do you feel like ending it? I don't know. I feel like. You wanna sit on someone's face? Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah, we're gonna end it so we can do face sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I do wanna help Svetlana though. Yes. And Barbara. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, do, you, do you have a final thought you want to give? I feel like there's so much covered and so much, like, 
you can't sum up yourself as a person. Yeah, I definitely don't mean to do that. But no. I think that's just it. I think it's perfect that we're going to end to help another person. Yeah. And these two people who I met earlier, what they're doing, um, they've gotten all these phrases from various authors uh, that are surrounding uh, social justice movements, particularly that of people of color, mm-hmm. and they have all been letterpress, and oh. they are now putting them on a um, big placard, and we've walked past some, and I'll, oh. I'll point them out to you. That's wonderful. But it's, it's exactly what we should be doing, because yes. this is a lovely way to end. We're going to go see humanity in people and give voice and move. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just going to...